Welcome back to The Word with G here on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. Chattanooga Sports Leader hanging with you on a Monday and over the weekend on Sunday. There was some big NFL news that dropped. We've talked about it already today. But I figured, and I know this is Falcon country and Titan country and whatnot, but I figured this was a monumentous occasion in the NFL. And I had to talk a little bit more about this. And I, you know, coming from Louisiana, I had to get one of my guys on to talk about this Drew Brees retirement situation and everything else going on with Drew Brees. And so I went through the Rolodex and I said, you know what? I got to get my former boss on here. He is one of the, if not the biggest Saints fan that I know. He's been to more of Drew Brees' games than anybody I know. He's been to the Superdome multiple, 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 hundreds of times. He's been in some of the biggest moments, some of the best moments, some of the worst moments for Drew Brees and the Saints franchise. Joining me now is the host of The Great Scott Show, an ace of a dad, and one of my good friends, Scott Prather. What's up, Scott? Gee, what is happening, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Good. Uh, I was a little disappointed this weekend, obviously, to hear Drew Brees was retiring, but happy that it gave you and I an opportunity to finally talk on the air. I figured it would be coming at some point, but it's nice to talk to you. And, and of course, you can hear the great Scott Show on ESPN 1420, 7 to 9 a.m. That's central time. So that would be what? I, I hate the time change now. 8 to 10 a.m. our time. Uh, so... Check them out, and uh, if you are a Saints fan in this area. So, Scott, first and foremost, what were your initial thoughts when you heard the news on Sunday that Drew Brees has decided to finally hang it up? I I wasn't surprised. I think we were waiting on it for a while. Um, The fact that it came 15 years to the day they signed him Mm. felt oh, I suppose. But uh, there was some rumblings that it might happen Sunday. My dad asked me yesterday morning, or, or rather, uh, yeah, yesterday morning, like, you think, you know, he's going to retire soon? I'm like, he'll probably retire today. <laughs> and then up in the afternoon when his kids uh, gave the message, and, I mean, hey, you bring up the Falcons earlier. I mean, even they're sending out uh, respect tweets, but um, I, I love how they added in there. We won't miss you, though. That was uh, that was a nice one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, I think there was this, I think for a lot of Saints fans, it was this weird process because, on one hand, I think they all, I say they, I don't want to generalize all Saints fans, but I think many realize, look, it's time to move on, you know. He's the best player in the history of the franchise, but just maybe doesn't have it anymore. So they, there was almost this sense of nerve, like, what if he does come back? What are the Saints going to do? Is it going to happen? And so they hadn't really prepared themselves for processing the actual news. And then it happened, and then there was just this gamut of emotions from you know, current and former teammates, uh, people in the world of sports, fans, obviously. You know, I was asking him this morning what, what you remember most about, you know, his 15 years as the Saints quarterback. And a lot of them would give, like, you know, very, um, you know, sort of sweeping answers that covered more than one thing, just talking about but how do you put it at one thing, you know, from the philanthropic work to coming to the state at a time when they needed it most to, to all this, you know, a lot of people said the 09 season getting a Super Bowl was crazy. And for me, Greg, I think, you know, growing up a Saints fan and a family of Saints fans and going to games prior to 2006, you never really believed the Saints would go to the Super Bowl. I mean, as a fan, you might tell yourself that because you know, it's, it's fandom, but there was, it, there was no point where you're like, this is going to be it. They're going to do it. Like, ever. I mean, 39 years before Breeze got there, they had one playoff win, ever. And 
the, the, the thought of a Super Bowl just seemed like such a mirage that was just never going to be anything based in reality. And after his first season there, after the 06 season, when they go to the NFC title game for the first time ever, it was like, okay, like they, the Saints could actually do this. And then, you know, a couple of years later they did. And I know that, you know, obviously they feel like they should have been in more and, and they probably should have based on a lot of success they had. They had some heartbreakers in there. But that one Super Bowl, to say, to try to quantify what it means to the fan base and to the region is um, I can't really do it uh, in just a short amount of time, so I won't try to. But he basically made a Saints fan feel like he can legitimately win the Super Bowl here. And it felt like that for 15 years, even in you know some of the tough seasons heading into him. So um, he just, number nine in everything. And it's not like when they signed him 15 years and a day ago, gee, that the the Saints fan base was like jumping for joy. It was okay. I'm not sure. You know, he just tore his shoulder in half. Yeah. Other teams wanted him, but hey, we drafted Reggie Bush, so that's cool. But what is this first year head coach getting himself into? And if he can't play, they're going to have to start Jamie Martin. Like, God, they're probably going to win three or four games again. This is going to be rough. No one envisioned that 15 years later he would retire, and at the time of his retirement be the all-time leader in career passing yards in NFL history. Like, no one could have foreseen that. So it's been a um, – it's just been an incredible ride, and I think I think he'll have uh, a place in Saints' hearts forever. And they're not a franchise that retires jerseys, but I think they'll actually consider retiring number nine because if anyone else tried to put it on, it would just look weird, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Again, Scott Prather, our guest here on The Word with G talking Drew Brees' retirement in the Saints. And, and I think you kind of quantified it, it well there in terms of there hadn't been a lot of success for this Saints franchise before Drew Brees got there. And I understand that he only got one Super Bowl, and it's disappointing that he only got one Super Bowl. He got robbed of, of an opportunity to get back to the Super Bowl there in 2018. And I think as a Saints fan and Saints fans in general, when you look back at it, yeah, NFL fans might say, man, it's, it's disappointing Drew only won one. But as you just said there, that, you have to look at this as a whole, that how much of success this was compared to the 39 years before Drew Brees, what it was like compared to what it was like with Drew Brees. And I, I was reading Michael Thomas's statement, um, you know, today and earlier today. And, and, and it was, you know, he said something very poignant in there about how it always seemed like whenever number nine was under center, you always felt like you had a shot and you felt like you had the best shot that you were going to have out of anybody else. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things that Drew Brees brought to the table. Yeah, I mean, tireless work ethic when you hear Michael Thomas say, you're my hero. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy wrote over 900 words to describe what Drew meant to him. And I think, you know, folks probably know that Thomas is a uh, a unique cat. And um, emotionally, you know, I mean, he he doesn't emote a ton in person, at least to the media, but he emotes a lot online. I guess that's 2021 for you. But to, 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 to see just how lengthy and thought out that whole thing was, um, I think it says a lot. You know, you read stories from teammates. I think John Stenchcom, who was a, a former right tackle with, with the Saints and was a pro bowler and he was on the Super Bowl team, he said Drew Brees was like Uncle Rico, but it, but he wasn't lying. Like, it was, <laughs> it was real. Like, he was Uncle Rico, but without the lies, he really was. Um, you know, Jonathan Vilma saying, man, we get into practice and we almost felt like we had – uh, a cheat code going into Sundays, having him a quarterback. So uh, it was it was a heck of a run, man. And I think, you know, when he got there, the NFL certainly was 
was was transitioning into more of a pass happy league, but you still had, you know, I mean, I think his first year, maybe Sean Alexander's coming off an MVP season, like yeah. running backs still, you know, there's still a lot of run first in the NFL. Um, and Breeze was when he first broke the Marino record, it was like a really big deal at the time. And I think it still is, but it just shows you that the early part of that run, everyone talks about all the rules designed to help the passers. That's certainly the case now. It wasn't as much of the case in 06 when he first started, and he kind of was you know, one of the pioneers that really transitioned, and it was part of that transition into the NFL becoming as pass-happy as it is right now. And I mean, you know, all-time leader in completion percentage. I mean, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it. Again, Scott Prather hanging with us, talking Drew Brees retiring here on The Word with G on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. Now, as I mentioned in the open, that y- you have been to a you-know-what ton of Saints games. If you can look back into all of the Rolodex of your memory of all the Saints games that you've been to and however many times you've been in the Superdome to see Drew Brees play, uh, what what moment or moments really stand out to you the most about the games that you've physically gone and you've been able to see him play? Well, I think for specifically about Breeze, it's funny. There was a game, it was the last game of 08. The Saints were not great. I think they finished the year eight and eight. But um but they weren't they weren't in they weren't in playoff contention. And they were playing Carolina who was in the playoffs and was fighting to get a, a buy or whatever. But like Breeze had a chance to break Marino's record that day. And so again it tells you something about the Saints fan base. To that point they only had two playoff wins ever. I mean, it was just pins and needles. Everyone's there and Carolina ends up, you know, getting a field goal late to take a lead, and um, and they're they're going to win the game. Um, and yet, they they kick the ball out of bounds with like three seconds left. So the Saints are going to get one snap, and Breeze needs like thirty yards, and everyone's still in the dome. The yeah. game's the Saints have lost, and he, it ended up being incomplete. But like it, it tells you that even. You know, even in his third year there, like the the excitement to to, to see this, um, and there were there were a lot of moments. You know, in '09 there was a Monday night game where the Saints were undefeated, and I think a lot in the national media still weren't sure if they wanted to take him serious. And they were hosting the Patriots, and Breeze had five touchdowns. I mean, as many touchdowns as he did in completions in that game. Wow. He had a perfect rating of 158.3, and at the end of that game, Belichick and actually bench Brady, not because Brady was awful, but because the game was so out of hand. It was sort of this, um, it was just a huge moment that season where I think everyone realized, okay, they're for real, and Breeze is that good. Uh, seeing Breeze play, you know, seeing him uh, set a, a record, uh, you know, a, a, a couple of records. You know, there was a, a Monday night game against Atlanta in 2011, uh, second last game of the season. He breaks Marino's record. Um, seeing him break Unitas' record of most consecutive games with a TD pass. That was a big moment in 2012. You know, the game against Washington in, in 2018 where he uh, sets the all-time passing yards record, which currently holds. Brady's probably going to break it next year. But those moments were all just, you know, they always seem to be in prime time and they always just seem to be such a big deal. Most memorable home Saints game of, of, of the Breeze era, though, was the NFC title game, uh, a game he didn't even play all that great in. But um, but as far as Breeze moments go, there's a lot of them, man. And and prior to that, it was just you know, you, you'd go to a game on Sunday and just hoping that somehow the Saints might win. But you're not thinking of, about a bigger picture, about a Super Bowl. 
And when Breeze was there, you were. And, and that was the big thing, you know, just the thought that they might actually be able to get to a Super Bowl, which prior to that, it just wasn't the case. You know, Saints season tickets had never been completely sold out until 2006. Not to say the Saints never sold out a game, but it was usually, you know, there was a lot of general admission tickets that might be bought up, something yeah. like that. 2006 was the first year the Saints ever just compl- all season tickets, boom, sold out. And there's been a waiting list ever since. And I think in 06, it was more of a fan base just so happy to still have their team, still so happy to that the team didn't leave after Katrina. And there was rumblings they might. That that's what. But then they were suddenly good, and those two things coupled together, and what the franchise meant to the region. You know, they've had a waiting list of of season tickets ever since then. You know, and the Saints fan base and the franchise is looked at as, you know, one of the better ones, very respected around the league. Prior to '06, that was anything but the case. Scott Prather, ESPN fourteen twenty in Lafayette, Louisiana, here with us on the Word with G on ESPN one hundred one, the Zone. Now, where do the Saints go from here? I know when I was down there and I'm hosting a show, and you remember me, I'm, I'm, you know, thinking about, hey, it seems like Jameis is is the guy, and to me, that that still should be the plan. And I know they're working hard on trying to re-sign him. They just signed Taysom Hill to a, a bit of a weird contract. Um, I don't know if you want to get into that real quick about exactly what it, the breakdown is of of Taysom and where you think the next step should be in terms of where the Saints go at quarterback because it could be Jameis, could be Taysom. Uh, could be somebody else we're not even thinking of. I know there's rumblings about maybe trying to trade for Russell Wilson. What is your thought in terms of where the Saints go next, quarterback-wise? The, the Taysom extension is just monopoly money. It's all void. All, all the years on the extension are void, are voidable years. Um, so it's just a, a way to, to spread out the cap hit. Because he had one year left on his deal. Mm-hmm. And he's going to make the same amount this year that he was going to make anyway. Um, he just now there'll be some dead money on the books if he's not on the team in 2022 as a result of this you know quote extension. But he's not he's not playing on a 140 million dollar extension. Believe me, um, it's it's all just a cap maneuver for the Saints to try to get under the cap. I, I think I think it'll be Jameis Winston, um, and I've felt that way for a while. I think they want to bring him back, and they'll say it's an open competition between him and Hill. But Winston will start game one of the 2021 season. And, and you can believe that it'll likely be Saints-Bucks in that NFL opener, right? Yep. Thursday night football, NBC. Now you got Breeze on the NBC countdown show. <laughs> you got Winston, a former Bucks quarterback on the Saints. And, of course, you got, you got Brady and the defending champs. But uh, the only way that doesn't happen is if another team just comes in and just offers Jameis an offer he just – can't say no to. Uh, his agent has indicated that the Saints are his preferred destination. The Saints have publicly said they want him back. Uh, but money talks. And, you know, if if he gets an offer that's just light years better than what the Saints can offer, then I think he'll go. Um, but but I, that's not what I would bet any money on. I mean, I'm, I'd hedge my bet on they're going to re-sign Winston, and they'll say it's an open competition but Winston's going to be the starter week one next year. And as much as uh, Saints fans would love to have Russell Wilson, it's just it's it's just not feasible. I mean, I, I don't see Seattle doing that. I think Russell wants out of Seattle. I think he's had a PR campaign to try to make that happen. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen this offseason. Um, and, you know, the last reports of the Bears aren't even close. And if the Bears aren't, when you got Ryan Pace, who will 
you know, at this point, give you his social security number, <laughs> credit card info, and, and every player on his roster. I mean, he, he, he often gives a little too much. If, yeah. if they're not even responding to offers from Chicago, then I don't think Russell's going anywhere. Yeah, it's going to be hard for the Saints to try and trade for him. Yeah, Jay, when it comes to Jameis, the one thing that kind of stands out to me, Scott, is, is that, you know, he had opportunities, and maybe not to start other places last year, but he took less money than he could have made elsewhere to come to go to New Orleans and to learn behind Drew Brees and Sean Payton. He wanted to take a step back to hopefully take two steps forward. And I think it means a lot to him because allegedly Drew Brees at you know in that last game said, Hey, look, it's your time now. This is your team. And you know, I think that kind of means a lot to him. Like you said, unless he gets absolutely blown away by money, I think even if it's close or maybe even a little bit more somewhere else, I think he really wants to be here, wants to learn and continue to grow under Sean Payton and play with guys like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and the defenders that they have on the other side of the football and, you know, the good offensive line that they have in front of him. It just would seem to make sense. Now, before I let you roll, let me ask you about the rest of the team here and the makeup. And and I know the Saints weren't in great cap space, you know, because they've been kind of, as we've talked about in the years past, kicking the can down the road and doing that cat voodoo magic that they've been pulling. And um, when it comes to what they've done with the roster and maybe some more cuts that need to continue to come, what do you think of what they've done so far in franchising tag, uh, franchise tagging Marcus Williams and then some of the other moves that they've made and what they're going to have to do moving forward? Well, they, they still have a little bit of work to do to get below the cap. I would expect a few more um, uh, re- restructured contracts. Um, if, if they have to make another cut, maybe Latavius Murray, and that's not something they want to do, bear in mind, but you know, they didn't want to get rid of uh, – I know they didn't want to get rid of Norris Jenkins. Uh, they, didn't want to, they didn't want to release Emmanuel Sanders, but they had to because they've always kind of pushed the, the – kicked the bucket to further years down the road. And part of that is the anticipation that, look, the cap has grown every year, right? Yeah. And suddenly with the pandemic, it didn't, and it dropped. And so it really put the Saints in a, in a vulnerable spot. Um, and they're – at this point, I think Loomis is really just – Mickey Loomis, by the way, Saints Cheer Manager. I think he's just hoping and praying that um, that they're going to be able to have a much larger cap next year across the league with a 17th game and, at that point, a reworked television deal with the networks. And he's just – that's what he's really hoping for right now because if it if it for somehow was, was low again next year, then that's when that – that salary cap held that so many in the national media say the Saints are going to have every year, but they haven't yet. Um, that would happen next year. But they're they're banking on the cap being bigger. You know, if you want to tell me that this is kind of salary cap purgatory this offseason for the Saints, I'll hear that. I mean, they they entered the offseason needing to shave over $90 million off the cap. So, look, Jerry Cook's release wasn't a surprise. Mm-hmm. Josh Hill, that's one that if, if, if they have a lot of salary cap space – they probably don't cut. Nick Easton was never going to come back on that deal. My friend Thomas Morstead was never going to come back on that deal after being injured. Quan Alexander was always going to be released. I think the Emmanuel Sanders and the Janoris Jenkins moves, and even Malcolm Brown to a lesser extent, those were ones that really, they just, they, they, they put them on the trade market. They tried to rework a deal with Jenkins, and those guys' agents said, don't do it because you'll probably get more on the open market. So. If they have to make one more release, I think it'll probably be Latavius Murray. They don't want to do that. And at this point, it's a matter of how many other guys on their team can they convince to uh, restructure their deals. And 
you know, maneuver money. I mean, that's that's you convince Taysom Hill yeah. to sign an extension that he knows he's never actually going to play on. Uh, they've got some team players that are willing to help out, you know, Loomis and, and the Saints when they need to. So even when they don't get anything in return. So with that, um, you know, I, I think I think right now there's one left. It's Murray, but Saints would rather not do it, but they might end up having to do it. G. Yeah, they may have to do it, unfortunately, because he's been somebody that since he's gotten here, I've always been a fan of Latavius Murray in terms of a complimentary back and He's been really good, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Saints and, and the rest of the NFL. You mentioned the restructures, and this is not new. I mean, we were seeing this all over. It's basically massacre week last week in the NFL with players getting cut and restructures and all that stuff. But the anticipation is if we get back to capacity and we get back to you know going to games and watching games and the TV contracts and Amazon and Yahoo and all that good stuff, the cap will go back up. It'll skyrocket maybe astronomically. Uh, next year. But Scott Prather, man, I appreciate your time and uh, thanks for sharing some moments of Drew Brees. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore 1420, host of the Great Scott Show on ESPN 1420 down in the great city of Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, my former home and uh, my former boss. Scott, it's it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I miss you, my friend, and uh, I hope everything's going well down there for you guys on 1420. All the best, G. Great to hear from you, man.